What's up, buddy? Yeah! Yeah, is what's up. Yeah! That is what's up. What's happening? Oh, you know, a little exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, do you remember uh, a rough, let's see, 30 or so episodes ago when, uh, when I had some life changes? Well, Spencer's got a life change of his own today. There's a little tiny dog running around my house, and he's real confused. There's a baby animal in the house. (laughs) He doesn't know where the fuck he is. You guys, we officially have a What If Studio dog. And now- Welcome to the Dog Dads Podcast. Dog Dads. Sponsored by Ghost Blog. (laughs) Dad Dog's Ghost Blog. That's like Wait, Bob Dog Dad's ghost. Ah, Bob shit. Blah Blah's Blah Blah. Dad, it's like Dad, Dad Dog sounds better, but it makes less sense. Da- well, but people are going to call you a Dog Dad, though. It's going to happen. Right, but I'm saying Dog Dad's Ghost Blog doesn't sound as good as Dad Dog Ghost mm, Blog. You're right. Also, <laughs> also Dog Dad is a dog who's also a dad. Dad Dog is a dad. Oh. Yeah, he ain't that yet. He's only eight weeks old. Yeah. He ain't got no balls. I was just going to say, also, he <laughs> snipped. <laughs> so that ain't going to work no matter what. Um, you're a, you're a, you're a puppy father. Uh-huh. How's that going? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I mean, you got to experience the first, Ryan showed up at my house, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, maybe. About, about an hour ago. Well, right, but like two <laughs> hours after my dog did. Yes. Um, yeah, so you got to experience some of his first moments as a, uh, confused young lad exploring my house. Studio dog. Yeah. We're, one day, uh. One day we're going to have him so well trained that we're going to get speak out of him. Oh, yeah, so nice. He's nice. going to be napping on the floor and we'll be like, I don't know, Marcy, what do you think? And then we'll be like, yeah, fuck yeah, dog. Tell him. Tell him. And then he'll just go right back to sleep. It'll yeah. be sick. Yeah. Well, maybe um, maybe on the Patreon we should do, like, we used to do Is It Trash? Well, we've continued to do Is It Trash. We just did one last week. We, we, not? we did do Is It Trash last week. Uh, hey, on-air production meeting, uh, should, we, should we make that a free one? Oh, we haven't done that in a long time. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, listener Matt suggested it, and I think it'd be a fun thing to do. So, uh, for those I just of you forgot that we should be doing that. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, once in a you know whatever month or every you know couple months or so, we'll make one of our Patreon episodes uh, free to listen to, so you can get a vibe for what the Patreon's like. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna support the show, it's only five bucks a month, and you get an extra episode every single week. So it's uh, it's eight episodes a month instead of four episodes a month. And uh, yeah, it's only five bucks. So patreon.com slash what a podcast. We'll make this week's episode uh, free for you guys. So you can go check it out. Oh, dang. Um, but yeah, maybe we should ha- add a new segment to the Patreon where oh, it's right. you and I doing dog dad, uh, like dog dad fill-ins. We'll, we'll, fill-ins? You know, just like, hey, how's being a dog dad oh, going? Oh, right, 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 right. You and I are in our uh, in our very nascent stages of learning how to father animals. Yeah, we got, we got a cool name for it, though. Like... Uh... Dog Diaries or something. Sounds way too close to Dog Diarrhea, and that's not something anybody too wants. Too close to what? Dog Diarrhea, and that's not something anybody oh. wants. Well, I mean, that happens. I, Dad Dog Ghost Blog is still, <laughs> Dad Dog's Ghost Blog is still pretty <laughs> good, right, even if right. it doesn't make sense. Dad Dog's Ghost Blog, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's Dad Dog's Possessive, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. We Dad Dog's do Ghost Blog. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but it should be Dad's Dog, hmm, because we are plural. Dad's is? We are many. Dads' dogs' ghosts' blogs' is- 
everyone is finding this surely unlistenable, and yep. for that, I do not fault them. If this them. is your first time listening, I do not apologize. Welcome back from California again. How was, uh, how was Cali this time? Uh, it was all right. Yeah? Yeah, San, Diego's, right? San Diego's a nice place. It's a pretty but, town. Yeah, it was rainy and shitty while we were there, mm, A little dumpy. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the zoo? No. Mm. Did you know it costs $60 to go to that zoo? Uh, That's too much for a zoo. It costs... It, sixty dollars is like the nice price. I think on weekends it's like closer yeah, no, to no, hundred no. minimum. Sixty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like weekday, like you don't get to see the cool shit price. Is $60. Yeah, to do it to do it all on a weekend. It's like one ten like, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that from scene. Why yeah, would you do that? That's too much. It's too I don't much. know why I decided to do this. How many how many people have kids and like families and they're like, you know, it sounds like a good thing to do. Today. That's what I'm saying. Spend six hundred dollars at the zoo, right? You're dro- I mean, a family of four, you're dropping almost five hundred just to get in, right? Not to mention, like, you're gonna eat lunch there and like, or like you had to get to San Diego. Well, that yes. or I mean, I, even if you live there, five hundred bucks to go to the zoo on the weekend, crazy. It's not cool. Not what we're here for. We're talking about fucking UFOs. Hey, well, I mean, sort of. Phrasing. We're talking about UFOs. There we go. <laughs> Fucking a right. We're talking about UFOs. There we go. That'll do it. Um, we're we're gonna jump into one of the. Would you agree? This is one of the most like prolific, best documented in the United States UFO experiences. Um, I don't know what prolific exactly means in that sentence, but I would say it's one of the better known. Yeah. Prolific, like, I guess, most, like, legendary or, mm. like... Mm. It's one of the few that has multiple video... Uh, I don't, it was captured by multiple people on video. Yes. And there are Whatever photographs may as have well. Been. Yeah. And, and it was witnessed by thousands of people. We're talking about the, the Phoenix Lights UFO case mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, or those of you that didn't read the title of this episode. Uh, we probably called it, what if... What if the we ghost blog g- was made of dad dogs <laughs> and then, you know, you put might, you the Phoenix right. lights in parentheses, right. like the episode about the Grammys. That's only about the Grammys for a grand total of like 10 minutes. And then the rest of the 15 minutes is yeah. about the O'Hare UFO incident. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, should we do a quick rundown of what the fuck happened that? Sure. Eve? March, March 13th of 97, there were reports of, uh, Varying reports of lights seen in the sky by um, Wikipedia says thousands of people. Other that, reports that does not cite any sort of source, unfortunately. Yeah, other reports I've seen in a couple other locations say closer to seven hundred. Okay, um, and I I don't know if that's like people calling police or air force or yeah. the news or MUFON or all of those combined or what that number. Yeah. Trying to extrapolate it out of everything. A bunch of people yeah. saw lights uh, in the sky between roughly seven thirty and ten thirty PM on March 13th of 97 in an area stretching about 300 miles um, from uh, Henderson, Nevada, which is like the very southeast corner of Nevada, mm-hmm. down to in sort of like a an L or like a a J inverted J shape down to Phoenix. Yeah. So Henderson, Nevada, is about three hundred miles to the northwest of Phoenix. Yep. And in this kind of curved line from Henderson down to Phoenix, upwards of a thousand or many thousands of people report seeing. Varying types of lights in the sky. Um, 
that can kind of be filtered into two main types of sightings. Yes. One of a triangular formation of lights. Um, so sort of like a, a V shape. Yep. That people reported um, being, I think it was five lights, correct, in a V. So there was like one at the point and then two down either arm of this V. Yeah, there's... Was the most common description? That's the most common one, but the number of lights varies on reports. Okay. Um, well, yes. So col- column A, sighting type A, you have this V-shaped uh, either craft or set of lights. Yeah. Some people said they were connected and it was uh, opaque in between. Other people just said they saw the lights. Yeah. Column B, sighting B, is um, more of a stationary set of lights that appeared to be hovering in the sky. And depending on who you ask, were or were not connected. Yes. And there's a, there seems to still be and was a lot of confusion about um, these two types of sightings, whether it was different people seeing the same thing and describing it differently or seeing it from different vantage points, if it was two totally unrelated sets of things, one that was seen further to the northwest, one that was seen further to the southeast, or some combination of the two, an object that was moving along that line and therefore seen by different people at different times, Um, it's not really clear. There's a... Part of the reason, just real quick, yeah. uh, part of the reason that so many people did see it is, A, because it took uh, such a long time to develop. People saw it over the course of three to four hours yep. and over a long, uh, ge- or a wide geographical area. Right. So people uh, may have already been hearing these reports and then going outside to look and seeing this either coming their way or in the sky in the distance. Uh, and also... It was very near to the closest approach to Earth of the Hale-Bopp comet. And oh, it was a very dark, clear night. It was, I believe, a weekend. And so a lot of people were already outside trying to observe Hale-Bopp mm. and instead saw these weird sets of lights in the sky. They had their eyes to the skies, yeah. if you will. I mean, because normally, I don't know what day of the week it was. I, I think it was a weekend, though. Normally, you wouldn't have a whole bunch of people just, like, standing around outside looking at the skies at 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, especially, I get, I would guess, in March, it's still pretty cool at night um, in out in the desert. Yeah. It so, was a Thursday. Oh, it was a Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of the basic idea of what happened. You want to get into how the um, the the sightings varied in terms of where they were seen and what they looked like and who saw them. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's a good that's a good spot. Um, I mean, the who the crazy part about the who is like the band. <laughs> the crazy part about the who they blew up a drum kit once. That's crazy. <laughs> It's we true, go, though. <laughs> we go from basketball podcast to you talk uh, about sixties rock music and roll? podcast. I'll talk about some Brit rock to dog podcast to weird podcast. This is why we are uh, the preeminent podcasters of our generation, Ryan. This, We're this, extremely versatile. This is also why you're our people dog because pod. <laughs> dog pod. 
you guys are uh, you guys are our people because we found a community of people who as often as we do jump into all those things you go fuck yeah i'm here for it and we love you for that i guess just a cult at that point <laughs> we my guys what if we started a cult holy shit hey no we did an episode on cults it was not tight <laughs> The episode was good. Cults, not so much. Yeah, conclusion, not tight. No, not very, <laughs> not a lot of like, oh, sick cult, bro. It's like, no, that's mm-hmm. not, it's not, it's not, not the move. Not what it's about. Um, Should we start with Henderson? We can start with Henderson, yeah. Okay. I don't have Henderson specifically on mine. I know Henderson okay. was the first 911 call that came in. Yeah, so the, the first report, as far as we can tell, came from uh, a gentleman in Henderson, Nevada which again is at the very southeast corner of Nevada, uh, who described seeing a V-shaped object and estimated it was about the size of a 747. Mm. Uh, He said it sounded like, quote, rushing wind and had six lights on its leading edge. So this is when it starts to vary, right? So the first one says it had six lights on its leading edge. Mm Mm-hmm. So some people reported seeing seven lights. Did this person mean there was a point light and then on the leading edge coming off it at an angle, there was three and three, which would have been six lights on a leading edge right. with a point light. Because an, an even number doesn't really make sense on a V-shaped object. Unless it's, an, on, unless it's a non-symmetrical one. Right. There, right. Were, there were some reports of people who from the further north location saw uh, what they... What they stated was um, what appeared to be one light trailing for a while, but then that light trailing another set of light. So the the six set of six, and then another individual light trailing behind. I don't have it. I don't have it specific specific to a number, but of something scene, like that. But something where there there was a trailing light, so hmm. that potentially didn't match the formation. But that said, all of the video and photos that are out there. Uh, what well, most of the video and photos that are out there are of a relatively um, crisp, if you will, formation. So, two things. First, with the wording of this report, if you see lights in the sky, which one are you reading off of right now? This is the I don't remember, I don't have the gentleman's name, but the the, the first person from Henderson who reported. Oh seeing yeah, this. yeah yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the report that you were pulling notes from. Got it. No no no. Um. If you describe seeing lights in the sky that form an object roughly the size of an airplane yes. and you hear, quote, rushing wind, I'm confused about what makes that not either one or multiple airplanes. You're saying- Those are all descriptions of airplanes. In some cases, literally, and in, in, in others- more generally. Yeah. So the one the one characteristic that um, I've seen called out in like a bunch of the articles I read is um, that the perceived, whether or not accurate, the perceived altitude of these lights w- didn't seem uh, airplane-like. They were actually um, perceived as like significantly lower than like a 747 would be. A lot okay. of people ballparked it around like the three to five to seven thousand feet so those are all ranges that airplanes fly can fly yeah but i mean you wouldn't look at that and be like oh there's a 747 up there 
Right. Because it wouldn't be, I mean, Air, Air 747s are only at 6,000 feet when they're taking off. I, the other characteristic, sorry, right. just really quick, the other characteristic yeah, yeah. that people really pointed to a lot um, in, in the articles that I saw was outside of the altitude was the brightness of them. They appeared to be, to most people, single, very, very, very bright lights, like uncharacteristically bright lights for an airplane. So, uh, you know, obviously if you see an airplane in the sky, you're seeing like, blinking on the wings or you know the red blinking dot it wasn't any of those things that were reported it was just this single like extremely intense light that people were seeing yeah i i just wonder i don't think i would be able to even estimate altitude of a light source sure at night no no yeah i mean I if i see I a either. craft during the day and i can see the outline of it i can see something for comparison i could probably get close yeah a light in the sky at night, I mean, anywhere from, I guess I could be pretty sure it's not like a hundred feet away. Right. But anywhere from like a thousand to 15,000 feet. Yeah. Or 30 or fucking stars are light years away. <laughs> like, right. I don't know how you would go about getting any sort of accurate estimate. No, I think especially too, because the brain plays tricks on you when you don't know how fast something is moving or how exactly. large a thing is. Exactly. You have, so you there's so many variables. I don't know yeah, how it, you could suss out altitude. Right. Like something might, um, if it's a really big light, but it's really far away, but it's moving really slowly, that could look like it's a, t it's a totally different altitude depending on what right. you're ballparking those other two dimensions on. Because in this case, there's at least one contradictory report. Um, a gentleman named Mitch Stanley, who is an amateur astronomer and happened to be uh, looking through his telescope that night, mm -hmm. I'm assuming for the comet, yeah. probably. But he actually, the, the article I found that mentions him says that he's just straight up like in his yard every night. Like oh, it was well, his- That would his, do it too, it his, <laughs> it was his fucking jam. He would just go chill out there and like look at the sky. If you've never done it, I'd highly recommend it. Mm. Um, if you're at all handy, you can build a telescope. He was looking- Heard looking through his, uh, I believe, homemade Dobsonian telescope that had roughly 43 times magnification. Mm. Saw these lights, focused his... What? I'm sorry, I just... I felt like there was a really good moment there to use our... Uh, our he's fucking... He's fucking big, but... <laughs> yeah, that boy big! Yeah, it is. It may have been a large telescope. <laughs> there we go. It's hard to say. Um... And he, he focused his telescope on the lights, and when they were magnified 43 times, he claimed that he could see pretty clearly two sets of light, or two lights that uh, to the naked eye appeared as one. Yep. So for each of these six or whatever it was, um, if you were to zoom in on them, were actually two lights close together. Yep. And he concluded, uh, he said pretty confidently that they were airplanes. Yeah, so much so that like he was in his yard, apparently he was hanging out with his mom in the yard, and he was so confident that they were planes that like he basically just told his mom like, "Oh, it's planes." And like sat back down in his chair and didn't even like didn't even tell her to be like, "Hey, you should look at this. This is kind of crazy." It was like, "Oh, it's just a for a formation of airplanes. Like don't even think about it twice." So like aren't we done with that one? <laughs> well, we're not. The guy heard whooshing sounds. He said it looked sort of like an airplane. Dude focuses his telescope on it and says, oh yeah, those are airplanes. So the, the only reason that we're not is because 
air traffic control in all the surrounding airports from uh, from Phoenix had no reports of a flight path or of there being anything on radar. So that's the hole in that one is that those that there was no radar signal for any of the actual crafts and that there was no flight path that was supposed to be doing what they were doing. The other thing there about is that a pretty strong military presence in the area though, is there not? There is, for sure. For sure. Is that something that that's not something that air traffic control would handle, right? Um no, but there would be they would be like alerted if there was some sort of route that was going to be flying through their space. They'd have to be, otherwise airplanes could t- take down other airplanes. I mean, unless they're at sixty thousand feet or something. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't. The other it, thing it about it that like doesn't a make pretty s- likely explanation, considering the very few pieces of information we do have. The other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me about that explanation, I, I totally agree with you on that, but the thing that doesn't make sense to me about it is, well, two things. One is the amount of time that it took those airplanes to fly that uh, that path. Mm-hmm. So like if they were in the sky for three to four hours and they only flew, through, was it 300 miles? Like airplanes don't fly at 100 miles an hour. They fall out of the sky at 300 miles an hour. Or at 100 miles an hour, excuse me. Okay. So that's, I think that's a good transition to the other sightings. Okay, sure. Yes. Because I don't think, and I don't think it was one thing. Yes. And I should have. And, and that gets conflated a lot in the reports and debunking of or confirming of these events is that yeah. it gets presented. And I honestly, even having heard about it and read about it before, had to be reminded today researching, oh, it's. Right. It was two separate things. Yeah. Or at least potentially was two separate things that right. may have two separate explanations. Right. So the second set of sightings um, happened, uh, well, I, there were sort of three, <laughs> um, in the area of Prescott Valley, which is sort of roughly halfway between Henderson, Nevada and Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Um, but if you were to draw a line, it's like a little bit uh, northeast of that line. And this is the column B that you mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, so there were multiple reports of a sort of cluster of lights in the sky. And they were all the same color. They were sort of a reddish, orangish color. Some people reported them being aligned or being in sort of a triangular pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, other people described it being more like just sort of a cluster. Yep. And they were observed for a period of, depend again, depending on the report, somewhere in the neighborhood of five minutes over Prescott Valley, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, people were not able to estimate the altitude which seems odd considering how willing people usually are to estimate as wildly as, as it may be the altitude of objects or lights. Um, and they, no one reported as far as I could find the objects making any type of sound. Mm -hmm. There are some reports of, um, the objects or the lights, whatever they might be, uh, moving or sort of like turning banking, Mm. Other people reported them hovering or uh, more like drifting, I guess. Yep. 
Uh, and then in Phoenix, and these things happen sort of in succession chronologically. Mm-hmm. The Henderson reports happened first around 7.30, and then the rest of this uh, evolved over the next three to four hours. Yeah. The Phoenix sightings were sort of similar to the Prescott Valley sightings in that people saw the first report was of five distinct lights that appeared to form sort of an arc shape um, or like a, I think what people interpreted it as if you were to imagine like a disc or a flying saucer in the traditional sense, yep. it might appear to be like the outer rim or the outer edge of that object as it's facing you. Sure. So sort of a slight curve maybe towards you or sort of out from a center point. Yep. Um, if you look on YouTube, this is the most commonly, I think there were the, there is the most footage of this version of the sighting. Yep. Um, over this sort of valley near Phoenix. Um, a lot of people film these lights for several minutes at a time. If you watch that footage, the lights sort of blink at least in. So it's not at, someone started filming when there was one or two lights. Yep. And the rest sort of appear after yep. this first one. So it's not like there's suddenly five in the sky all aligned. You have one or two and then you have three and then you have four and then you have five. Yep. And they're all sort of in roughly in line with each other. And they eventually disappeared behind this mountain range that they, I guess, were either above or behind. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some slight variations on that report. Although I'm more skeptical of these vary- varying reports because they came out much later. Mm. So this happened in Mar- on March 13th. Yep. There's a USA Today article that came out, I believe, in uh, June June 18th. Yeah. So roughly three months later. After that really sort had, of broke the story on a national level. Yeah. After you've had time to talk to your friends and neighbors and say, what did you see? What did you see? Right. Well, I felt like it was like this. And then people are developing and s- a narrative. A lot of the narrative that is sort of stuck comes from this reporting that was done or at least published three months later. Yep. And some of those reports include things like um, uh, people seeing a craft that was over a mile wide mm-hmm. uh, in the in the range of six thousand feet. And just to clarify, the what they're what they mean by that is like that curved edge that you're talking about of this of these lights. Basically, people were saying. Um, there's a couple of reports, I actually have one quote in here, where someone said um, they felt like the it blocked out the stars. So there was some reports said that they couldn't see the stars sort of directly behind or around that sort so, of arc of lights. Yes. And related to that, people reported that these lights or this craft, whatever it, it may be, um, was moving slowly over this area. Yep. Um, sometimes like stopping to hover in one location mm-hmm. was reported in the USA Today article. 
And that's where some of the stories about, well, it passed right over me and it couldn't have been more than a hundred feet up. And when it went over, I couldn't see the stars behind it or I could have yep. blocked out the moon when it went in front of the moon. Um, so there's that level of stuff of like, no, I for sure saw a craft Yep. and it was this big and it looked like this and it flew over my house and it right. stopped over my neighbor's house. There's right. that kind of stuff. And then there's also, if you go even farther, there's some reports of um, people behaving weirdly and and attributing their odd behavior to this sighting. Oh, I'm, I missed this. So, I mean, this is pretty commonly reported in UFO sightings, uh, close encounters of, of any variety. See, dude, this is why we need a sighting, because we could do some real wild shit and be like, the ship made me do it. <laughs> also, I yes. missed a great opportunity when we said that the craft was a mile wide for... Yeah, that boy big! <laughs> there it is. We're now retroactively applying our favorite sounders. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to find a place for it pretty much every episode going forward. So some people reported um, odd behavior, odd sensations, feelings, emotions uh, connected to their sighting. Um, James Fox, who is a documentary director. Did you ever watch I Know What I Saw? I did. He directed that, um, which, which is also a- has some great eyewitness testimony about this specific sighting. Yeah, highly recommend it if you've never watched that documentary. It's fucking awesome. He also made a film called Out of the Blue, uh, also about UFOs, which is of a similar quality. I would also, either one of those are like a pretty good uh, introduction to the whole UFO phenomena. I haven't seen Out of the Blue. Is that focused on a specific incident or? No. Um, I mean, they're both sort of, I think, I watched them like back to back and a long time ago. So I may be conflating, but I think they're both sort of a, uh, like a, an overview style. Yeah. They don't focus entirely on one event or one like type of event. For some I reason, I feel like I know what I saw has like a significant portion that is dedicated to the Phoenix lights. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one that he spent a lot of time on and got a lot of, um, reports of interviewed a lot of people who, mm-hmm. who had observed it anyway. Uh, Several of the people that he talked to happened to be working together when they saw these lights. Mm-hmm. And they said that they watched the lights appear and disappear over a, quote, period of time, but didn't speak to each other about it. And as soon as it was done, we went right back to our work. Mm. So, and only later realized that was weird that we all saw this thing, watched it together, and then just didn't say anything about it and went about our business. Um Jim Mann, who is the director of Arizona MUFON, for whatever that's worth in your world, um, spoke to, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Some people put a lot of stock in MUFON. Some people fucking hate MUFON. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Oh, that was really good. (laughs) Just like sheer ambivalence at its finest. I mean, I don't. Whatever that means to you, folks. I haven't been involved enough on a personal level to have a strong opinion. Uh, Yeah. uh, No, no. Either positively or negatively, but I've heard both. Yes. And I've heard a lot of both. So I know it's a divisive topic. No, completely. And you. But I can't really speak to how or why. And you threaded that needle perfectly, (laughs) and your tone brought me joy. That's that's really what it was. You threaded it perfectly. Are they trash? <laughs> That's for you to decide. We don't know. <laughs> um, Jim Mann, director of Arizona MUFON, 
spoke to or interviewed someone who uh, stopped his car along the side of the road to mm. watch these lights and found that several other people had also stopped near him to watch these lights. Yep. As, quote, a craft slowly glided overhead. Not a word was spoken, and after it went by, everyone got in their car and drove on. Mm. So again, with the sort of, um, I don't know, just out of out of character behavior or yeah. um, a sense of, like, calm or normalcy in the moment and then later realizing like that was, that was kind of fucked up that was weird that <laughs> yeah. we all just stood here and watched a ufo and then went on with our day all right well i mean it's it's related to you hear a lot of reports about like i was compelled to go outside and look up and then when i did i saw this thing and i felt this certain way about it yeah and then the next day i woke up and was like what the fuck why did i go outside and look at that thing last night right um and also and also it's probably a later realization that like you're like if i had been in my right mind i think i would have been like jesus christ what the fuck is that <laughs> right and you would have like we should have been scared as or this... taking photos or yeah, exactly. calling people or whatever but instead you're just like huh which to me cool also alien ship anyway so reads as like really convenient yeah for why there aren't photos of this craft if you guys all watched it fly 40 feet over your head i mean or why there, there are of the craft of a craft within forty feet? No. Yes, yeah. got it. Not of not of a craft. No, but I mean, we're talking about you know what cameras people had available to them in nineteen ninety seven, taking sure. photos of the night sky, which is unfortunately not many and not great. Someone on YouTube, however, took um, so there are a, a few videos, like camcorder homemade footage of the of these lights, primarily the Phoenix. Uh, reddish orange lights in a row version of it yep. that are available on YouTube and have been in a bunch of documentaries and on TV and stuff. And yep. if you've heard about this, you've probably seen some version of those. Someone on YouTube took uh, the longest of them. It's like a four minute clip and stabilized the whole thing. Mm, that's cool. Because I think all of them are like handheld camcorder, somebody trying to zoom in and out, trying to move right. around whatever obstacles. Right. And somebody stabilized it. So you just have like this four minute, pretty clear stable image of these lights and with some um what's the word i'm looking for i guess sort of landmarks to for scale and to compare oh that's cool what I didn't you're see actually looking one. at so it's not just lights against a black background which makes it totally impossible to figure out what you're looking at right or how big it is or how far away it is or anything like that um so if you are interested in like seeing what most people saw that night you can find it pretty easily on youtube and actually in a in a better quality in a way that it than it has been publicly before um i think that's it unless i'm missing anything in terms of what people reported seeing that night no i think um i think you pretty much nailed it the only thing um th that's interesting is and you kind of covered this a little bit in the initial introduction to column B, but this idea that um, some people saw the hovering system of lights as a persistent sort of together thing. There are some reports of people saying that they were more um, orb-like in nature and that they were moving independently from each other. So just as a, I guess, an additional piece of information related to what people 
claimed to have seen. Sure. Let's take a quick break then, and um, I have a piece of audio I want to get your opinion on when we come back in just a second. We interrupt your program! To pay our fucking bills, mate! Hi! <laughs> Yo, it's the shoutouts! We got a new section on the show that I is very close to my heart. I'm having a really good time with this, and I love that you guys are participating. Uh, we're doing shoutouts now. If you go to whatifpodcast.com slash shoutout, one word, shoutout, uh, you can get uh, you get a shoutout on the show. Uh, it's 50 bucks, and for anything under 200 words, we'll shout it out. It can be uh, it can be literally anything as evidenced by our first two shoutouts on uh, today's episode. All right, I'll do the first one. You got the second one? Uh, yes, deal. All right, first one. Scott is one damn good-looking man, like the best-looking man I've ever seen. We should all be like Scott. Shout out to Scott from Georgia for using uh oh I don't know twenty percent of his his shoutouts length to just have us tell him that he's a good looking man. My man got straight to the point. Scott, you're pretty. <laughs> you're so pretty. You're the best oh, you're looking man overtime you've ever seen. Ah, we gotta you know we gotta give him we gotta give him a little bit of love. Hey, right. good good for you, Scott. Uh, you've you've got it on wax forever. Fucking us, earned it, bud. Us telling you that you're pretty forever. Thanks, uh, thanks, Scott from Georgia. Your turn. Uh, our second shout out this week uh, is boy. See, this is what I meant by could be anything. Uh, shout out to uh, David in New Jersey. Uh, David's shout out came, coming in right under the wire at 193 words. Oh, did you check it? I was going to say, he, he used all the words that Scott did not use. I checked. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's right. That's right. For a second, I was like, oh, damn, he went. I would have read it anyway. I don't care. It's a, it's a soft 200 word goal. All right. If you guys write a novel, we'll cut you off. Uh, but yeah, Dave uh, from New Jersey says, God bless this. Do you enjoy detective shows like The Wire or The Shield? Yeah. Do you like Shane Black written buddy cop movies like The Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Probably. With flawed characters and quick wit? Yeah. Well, please check out Terriers. Okay. It premiered nine years ago on FX and was canceled after a perfect 13 episode season and I can't stop loving this show. Fuck yeah. Starring Don- Donald? Donald? Donald Logue from Gotham and Grounded for and Grounded for Life and Michael Raymond James from True Blood and Once Upon a Time. They play Hank Dolworthy and Britt Pollock, an ex-cop and ex-thief, now unlicensed private eyes in Ocean Beach, San Diego, California. Yeah, I was just there. It's cool. Caught in a case of corruption and cover-ups. I didn't do that. Currently only able to be bought on Amazon <laughs> Video, but I assure you it is worth your time and money. The AV Club ranked it as number seven on their <laughs> list of best shows of 2010. IGN's Matt Fowler gave the entire season a 10 and called it a massively gratifying TV experience like no other. IGN also gave Terriers their award for best new series of 2010. The series received a nomination for outstanding new program by the Television Critics Association. That shadow was so long, there's a different beat playing now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. No, it's perfect. Um, so that's already one of my favorite uses of shoutouts is I'm just going to start telling people about a television show I like a lot that I want them to go check out. From nine years ago. From nine years ago. But call it seven because maybe I wrote this copy two years ago and I've just been waiting for the perfect No, moment. no, he says it premiered nine years ago. Oh, okay. He got it right. 
All right. Um, right. If you want us to talk about whatever the fuck you want us to talk about, whatifpodcast.com slash shout out. Yeah. Uh, you, can share, we'll you can share your funness with, uh, with thousands of listeners around the world. And for the rest of y'all that have already done it, we got you next week. Yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep them moving. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Scott. Big thanks to Dave. Uh, and uh, thank y'all for supporting the show. Hope they were fun. We'll keep doing them. Later. I mean, now back to the show. Back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Brian, can I can I play a piece of audio for you and then uh, get your reaction to it? Sure. Although, it's, am I scared? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, good. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be. I don't. I can't say if you're scared or not. <laughs> you don't need to be. You are now. <laughs> Just play like some like very loud horrorcore into um, my headphones. <laughs> tell me what you think about this Marilyn Manson song. <laughs> no, this is uh, it's a little long. It's about a minute and a half. But I, this is a uh, one person's version of events from that night. Yeah. March 13th, 1997. This event called Lights Over Phoenix. What did you see? Well, I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over Squaw Peak um, that was, you know, it was just breathtaking. And um, I'm not sure about the, the date. You've, you've got a better memory March for the 13th. dates than I do. Yeah. But there was no, like the Clinton Day, no. No. <laughs> He's asking him if he was smoking weed that day. Oh, and he said no. I was on a strict diet. <laughs> there was a, strict a there was a hand diet. there was a hand motion that you you, you missed if you had sure, the audio sure, only. Sure, sure. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious now. That, that it was a it was a. I said I wasn't fucking high, man. Also, referring to smoking weed as the Clinton diet, I'm not mad at it. But is that what he called it, the Clinton diet? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, he said, "Was there any Clinton something?" And then the other guy said, "No, I was on a strict diet." Mm. implying that not being on that strict diet maybe the Clinton diet also put on the list. The Clinton Which diet? Oh, that's pretty good. Flying object. Right. Nothing, we're being visited. Well, it's nothing like anything I've ever seen. And, and you're an Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah, and a pilot. Uh, got a lot of hours flying. So uh, it was pretty breathtaking. And um, and I'll never forget, I, I snuck out to see it um, you know, without DPS, um, which I, I'm not supposed to be driving my own car. You know, and so, uh, but I told Dan what I was doing. I was going to go up to Squaw Peak and see what everybody was, you know, clamoring about. And um, when I walked in the front door, she looked at me, and I was apparently just normally I'm fair complected and pale anyway, right? And she said, "Oh my gosh," she said, "She'd look like a ghost." What, what, what did you see? And I said, well, "I don't know what I saw, but it's, it was really something, and I'm not going to talk about it." Do you know who that is? No. It's your guy Fife. Oh, uh, Fife Dog. Fife Dog. Fife Diggy. Oh, that's funny. I didn't recognize his voice. I watched so the video of his press conference, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't. For some reason, I like didn't put that together. So that's Fife Symington, former governor of Arizona, was governor of Arizona in '97 when this occurred. How dare you disrespect his name by not calling him his full? John Fife Symington the third. I apologize. <laughs> Come on, John, man. What John, kind of name is that? John Fife Symington the third. He a should lovely not, name. No, I, I, what I'm saying is he shouldn't be the governor of Arizona. He should be like the Knight of Glastonbury or something like that. Like he's a complete and total fucking fairy tale character, and I love it. And that's why the UFOs chose to reveal themselves to him. To John. Um, 
Although they might have made a bad choice because uh, John Fifington, Fifington, ha! Fifington is great. <laughs> I'm glad you thought that it's was funny. As, <laughs> just, just mishmashing his whole fucking name in yeah. here. Anyway. Uh, John Fife Symington, who did go by Fife Symington, uh, held a press conference the week after uh, the week after the Phoenix Lights happened. Yeah, that interview that we just listened to, or the excerpt of that interview, was from 2014. So, yeah, much more recently. Yeah, and the week after the Phoenix Lights happened, the governor of Arizona had a very different story to tell. So, um, the hundreds and thousands of people had started. Uh, a bit of a, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, a little bit of a media storm. People were confused and asking questions and calling, well, again, the night of, they were calling 911 and there was newspaper stories about it and people asking questions, like kind of demanding answers around. Yeah. Can we get some explanation of yeah. what that was? Because obviously it was something. I mean, a bunch of us saw it. We have video right. of it. Something was there. Can you tell us what that was? Yeah. Um, and no one had come forth to communicate Oh, this was uh, you know, like so far the this test flight or whatever. right. Yeah, Mitch, uh, the oh, amateur Bob. astronomer. What's that? Hedberg. Huh? I'm just naming Mitch's. I don't know his last name. <laughs> <laughs> the Mitch astronomer kid uh, had not had not been like documented yet, so yeah. there was there just wasn't a lot of answers. So uh, Symington holds a press conference and says, "We've identified the responsible parties, and I'd like to bring them out now." and pulls into what most people assume was going to be a relatively serious press conference. Generally, if you're having a press conference with the governor, yes, that would be a pretty safe assumption, yeah. And, and also a press conference that was said to be in response to this thing that's sort of creating a bit of a public oh, outcry. Yeah, yeah. And out from behind the curtain walks one of the governor's aides in handcuffs with a like green alien costume on and a cape. Hey, constituents, <laughs> get fucked. Fuck. Hey, do you want answers? How about fuck you? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, How about you answer these nuts? <laughs> riddle me these nuts. Riddle me these nuts. Um, yeah, so he basically... I'm bringing these nuts jokes back in 2019, <laughs> by the way. I know it's only been like three years. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Mm -hmm. Bringing it back strong. Um, he basically ridicules everybody's concerns and questions and makes a joke about it being aliens. And like nothing actually serious came out of the press conference. He wasn't like, no, no. all mean, jokes aside, we've talked to so-and-so and so-and-so parties. They've told us that it's this, so everybody can go uh, not worry. Like... None of that happened. He just basically made a bunch of jokes about it and went on his merry way. So the official explanation um, for the, the Phoenix area sighting yep. came from the Air Force and is essentially that they were dropping this type of long-burning illumination flare... Um, from a flight of four uh, A-10 war Warthog aircraft mm -hmm. as part of a training exercise at the Barry Goldwater Range at Luke Air Force Base mm -hmm. near Phoenix. Yes. Um, I'm assuming that came out later. I don't know the, 
the chronology of the press conference versus this Air Force uh, explanation? I do know it was later. I don't okay. know how much later. Okay. Um, my the way I understand it is that the official explanation from the Air Force came out like significantly later because okay. apparently there was some work done by um, like councilmen and women in the Phoenix area who were trying to advocate for their constituents. You're and saying like city were, council people? Yeah, people on the city council who were, you know, had concerned constituents who were trying to go to people, you know, higher up than them or people you mean in like the, the governor perhaps? Like the governor perhaps, <laughs> yeah, to be like, ha ha, cute joke, but seriously people want to know yeah, what the fuck's going on. can we get an on. actual answer or if right. we don't have one, can we try and find one? Right. Um, so I don't know to what extent all of those uh, pursuits for information created an actual piece of information, but I think it took some time for them to come out and actually say what had happened from their perspective. So before we start recording, mm-hmm. you said to me that you think this is one of the more interesting UFO cases we've looked at because you feel like there are significant holes in or problems with the explanations for uh both versions of this sighting. Ye- well, yes and no. I feel like the Flair's explanation for the Phoenix part of this sighting, of the, the row of lights roughly a mile across, uh, the video footage that shows them... Um, blinking on. Kind of, yeah, blinking on in, in succession. No sound being made. Them being visible until they eclipsed a mountain range. I mean, that all sounds like the behavior of flares sure. being dropped to sure. me. Sure. Um, another part of the explanation from the Air Force was that, so it's a, I don't know what they use to illuminate the flare, but something is burning. Yeah. It's some sort of fuel that burns over a long period of time and very brightly. So these last for quite a while and yep. they can be seen from a long distance. They have, some type of parachute attached to them so that they stay in the air for a while. Yep. Uh, I guess with this type of flare, sometimes the heat being given off by the flare itself burning um, in certain atmospheric conditions can create sort of a hot air balloon effect and cause the flares to either actually rise temporarily or kind of hover in one spot for a while. Yep. Again, makes sense or seems to line up with what people were seeing that night. Do you see issues with that explanation? Yes and no. I I do think like logically a lot of it makes sense. There's a couple elements of it that I um I waver on a little bit. One of them is um if you look if you look at the video of the lights coming on, like you said they kind of uh in sequence yeah. illuminate in yeah. this sort of cyclical path or curved path or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Um, it's essentially right to left on most of the videos from whatever angle they were being yeah. filmed from, but yep. it's like in order across the screen from what appears to be roughly the same height. They just sort of appear. Yep. Um, there's not like, and, and I guess there's something that could account for this, but there doesn't appear to be an airplane anywhere. Like there's no lights of an airplane anywhere near those lights. Yeah. So that's a thing for me that caused some confusion is like it would make sense to me if there's an airplane with two blinking lights on it going beep 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 
beep across the sky and then all of a sudden out of out of its sort of trailing you know path you're seeing these things light up following um following the plane but i don't see any of that in any of the footage so it kind of makes me go well where were they coming from then if there's not a very visible airplane um i, I guess one- I, don't, I don't know enough about military aircraft and specifically the a10 warthog or whatever it was yeah um in terms of like how large is that is it illuminated in the same way that commercial uh airplanes are illuminated with in terms of blinking lights on the end of the ends of the wings and a light on front um was it intentionally concealed for some reason yeah as part of this training exercise sure um it does seem odd to me that you wouldn't have heard something. Right. Um, the other thing, too, is like they again, say... I don't, I don't know anything about that aircraft. Right. I don't either. And I, and that's why I'm just sort of like I'm more poking holes by asking questions, but not necessarily like I don't think that I'm right. The The other thing was, you know, they said there's four A-10s, but they when the when the lights come on, they feel very much like they're in a path. Like, like I could see it if it was one airplane dropping them all, but they yeah. look very like... At a at a distinct interval, they look like they kind of come around this curve, and I was like, but, "That feels doesn't feel like four airplanes dropping them in a similar space." The problem is we're looking at it two dimensionally, sure. and because we don't have the context of uh, distance, we don't know. I mean, one of those flares could be significantly closer or farther to us than the one next to it. Definitely, right? we're looking at it flattened. Definitely. But from most, I guess what I'm trying to say is from most of the visual evidence we have, it appears to be relatively geometric to some, to some extent. Yes. Like there is a, there is a sequence, a pattern, a a shape to the way that they're laid out. I would say. Yeah. It appears that way from like the one or two angles we really have. I, I wouldn't feel totally confident saying that is what's happening, but it does definitely look that way. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe my, my seeing that evidence is bolstered by the fact that it seems like that's also what a lot of the eyewitnesses are saying is like, it felt like they were evenly spaced geometrically laid out in some capacity. So I guess, I guess what I, would that not be possible though by multiple airplanes or would that maybe like, couldn't that even be the purpose of this training exercise is to create some sort of structured drop or something? It, I mean, it certainly could be. I guess my thought was... I'm sure they weren't doing it randomly. Yeah. Four airplanes couldn't draw one line, right? Like, it's like, if I'm trying to trace with a but pen... That, but that's what I'm saying. They could be flying... So, as we're, this is really hard to describe. If we're looking on... Say we're looking at uh, a plane, like, side on, yeah. right? The other three could be behind it. So they each are dropping them like in succession almost. Yeah. So they're flying in a line and they're all dropping one or whatever. Each flare could be 100, 200, 500 feet behind from our vantage point, the previous one. And because of the distance or whatever, uh, we wouldn't necessarily interpret that distance between them. Yeah. Right. They would appear still to us to be in a straight line. Yep. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it seems possible at least. Totally. And I can totally get behind that that it's a it's a totally plausible explanation for what happened that night. Less the, plausible to me is that four fighter aircraft would not have been heard by anyone. Yeah, I completely agree with that, that as well. That part does seem weird. 
like that that it just came out of silence i think is also part of it having the, just been in san diego where there are military aircraft taking off constantly yeah it's loud as fuck yeah it's like significantly louder than a normal commercial jet right because their and engines again, are crazy powerful i don't know anything about what types of planes they're flying there versus what was flying out of luka Doncic air force base in 1997 <laughs> whatever that place was Barry goldwater no oh luke luca luke uh luke air force base just luke luke yeah <laughs> well the- luke bamute air force base <laughs> In '97, the other it, the other version of it that I can see being possible for not hearing anything is um, if they were flying at a crazy high height, where they if they were flying at eighty thousand feet and they drop these parachutes and the they lights illuminated until much later, don't ignite until mm. you know two or three minutes into their fall. Like maybe the parachute pops. And then they illuminate. That's a very good point. Three minutes later, that would that would prevent you from hearing an airplane. Would still account for the drop, and potentially for well, we didn't see what path they were flying in. But to your point, they could have flown in succession, done their drops, and then they all illuminated at you know a certain height. Also, seems like a thing that may need some practice if you're trying to get the timing right on whatever. However, those flares are illuminated. If you're trying to time it or do it remotely or something. Yeah. That seems like something you might need to take a few practice runs at. For sure. So here's, to that though, here's another part of why I find their official explanation a little bit goofy is, you know, to to your USA article point, like this had come out by June was like gaining steam as a national story. People were super confused, asking a ton of questions. It was a big story. I found a, a... and a scan of the original USA Today article. Is it like it's not a small article? I yeah. mean, it's it's probably it's cut up like column by column the way I'm looking at it. But it's like it was probably a full page in the USA Today. Yeah, on in the A section. Word. So it it had a bunch of um, it had a bunch of buzz behind it, and I guess my thought or one of the things that I felt like was a little shady about it is like if if this is a thing that is like hey we just did a training exercise and we dropped some flares over phoenix it's like twofold one do you not warn the people of phoenix that there's going to be a military exercise happening over their city and they might see something that's generally uh i mean no i mean probably not but it also just seems Didn't like that why just happened not? in la which part wasn't there weren't there a bunch of like military helicopters flying over downtown la and People were unawares until it was happening. Oh, I didn't hear about that. But I mean, it's have you ever? Possible. I mean, we don't live somewhere with like a, a large military presence, but I don't think you go around telling people about what you're about to do. Well, I guess I would think if it's an exercise, so it's you're not doing anything, you know, shady. Hopefully, but if if you're not, Our military's doing, never done anything shady. What are you talking about, right, Ryan? Exactly. But like, if you're not doing anything shady, and it is just an exercise, and you are going to do it in a massively populous city over the city, wouldn't you want to give them a heads up? What if it did cause hysteria? What if people did clog up emergency lines and prevent people from getting emergency care? There's evidence to the contrary for that is all I'm saying. To what? Them, that, they, that this shit happens all the time that the military does wild shit. Yeah. And they don't, they don't, they're not obligated to tell anybody anything. No, they're definitely not obligated to, but it seems like something, and this is the twofold part, it seems like something you'd want to do. And then the second part would be, okay, if you didn't want to do it and you 
you know, you know, who's not very good at doing things that it seems like you might want to do. <laughs> and the second part of it to me is if there's like a total fucking firestorm nationally about this happening, why not send out four A10 warthogs on a night two months later, five months later, ten months later, and say, you guys, relax. It was a training exercise. We can replicate it right now. Well, Here that, you go. That did happen. Did that specifically though to address not, this situation? Not with the military's cooperation, but someone some news, uh, I forget who it was, like the local ABC affiliate in Phoenix, basically tried to recreate it using flares and yeah. essentially did. It looks very similar. Word. Um, also, this is from uh, ABC7 in LA. Hey, Military exercises rattling nerves around LA. Army helicopters landing on Wilshire Boulevard and other military activities are turning parts of L.A. into scenes from a war movie this week. Yikes. Military is conducting training exercises, but have caught many locals by surprise when a helicopter flew low in between buildings in downtown L.A. And like, even if, okay, so even if you don't broadcast your plans to the entirety of the populace, do you maybe tell the governor of the city that you're going to be dropping your flare demonstration over? that this is a thing that he might want to know about that he can calm the public on that you could have a PR response for. And then if the military doesn't want to recreate it and you have to rely on news recreating it, why the other question I have is why has it never been seen again? Have they, did they run that well, practice exercise they, one time and then they're never going to run it again with no more pilots not in, in that any way, other locations? We're still talking about it 20 some years later but on why, a dumb podcast. But why wouldn't they just do it again and be like, see, that was the same because thing. They don't the Phoenix give a lights. Fuck about what we think about it. No, no, no. I'm not saying, and do I it. would be annoyed at them spending money to do it again, to tell a bunch of idiots that it wasn't. No, aliens. no, no, no. What I'm saying is why wouldn't it have happened again in their normal course of process and procedure because they probably changed said process and procedure because this one was such a big problem i guess i just feel if, like if it i would... didn't exercise and it was all over the news the next day i might rethink how i'm doing that exercise next time maybe or logic would also dictate that you could just keep doing it and be like see it's the same thing you saw last time yes we did another exercise a lot of people are going to take that the opposite way and be like see the aliens are back yeah i mean Yes, it just seems like it would be a pretty easy way to squash the conversation. Also, maybe they nailed it and they didn't need to do it again. We're fine forever. You four, you four guys, don't ever retire or die. <laughs> just you, if we got to drop flares like this, it's you guys and no backups. Yeah. Um. All right, real quick before we wrap, your thoughts on the multiple airplanes flying information explanation for the... First half of these sightings, the Henderson, Nevada stuff. So I think that one is totally possible to account for those that part. I think I, too, conflate, and I think some of the actual reports conflate the both experiences. As if it were one. As if it were one. And neither of these explanations works for the other right. or for both combined. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I go, you know, that's why, like, um, I had said, you know, well, planes don't fly that slow. Well... If it was planes that then turned off all their lights and then turned off all their radar transponders and dropped a set of flares, that would account for lights becoming lights in a different, you know, a moving way to a hovering way. Um, 
pretty pretty visibly. That uh God damn That might be the closest we've ever gotten to like an explanation for a thing for a that thing. we've talked about on this show. Yeah. And and I think you're right, man. I think like, yes, that the Air Force is gonna try shit and they're gonna test shit and they're not accountable to like other departments or people in the world. I just I would think uh with something that's like that visible and that much of a um again, like a potentially panic inducing thing if there's lights, craft, etc. Um I just feel like they're the safety of the population would be, you know, something you'd want to take into consideration. I wish I had as much faith as you. I I'm not saying th- I would have thought we wouldn't have gone to war with Iraq. <laughs> well, and here we are. <laughs> 20 years later. Um, one thing I wanted to read uh, before we before we run is um, Fife, uh, Fife Dog. That's disrespectful to Fife Dog. That's true. Fife Symington III uh, had... That's disrespectful to Paul Symington I. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, put out an op-ed in... Um, on CNN, I don't know, I don't know how long after this was, but um, obviously we we didn't say it explicitly. But from his time in office, when he basically ridiculed this thing and was like, "It's not a big deal," he did a massive 180 in his personal life. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, that's part of why I wanted to play you that other audio from 2014. Is that he says in it, like he walked into his office and said. I don't know what that was, but I'm not going to talk about it. Sure. I guess what I mean by 180 is the way he chose to talk about it was by ridiculing what it was instead of saying, hey, I saw it too, and it was really strange. I don't know what it's like to be in office versus not in office too, because I think his his tune changed basically once he was no longer governor of Arizona. Sure. And and this article that I'm about to read you a chunk from uh, is definitely afterwards. But he went even further than, I don't know what I saw. Okay. He says, in 1997, during my second term as governor of Arizona, I saw something that defied logic and changed my reality. I witnessed a massive delta-shaped craft silently navigate over Squaw Park, a mountain range in Phoenix, Arizona. It was breathtaking. I was stunned because I was turning to the west looking for the distant Phoenix lights. Phoenix Lights. To my astonishment, this apparition appeared. This dramatically large, very distinctive leading edge with some enormous lights was traveling through the Arizona sky. Damn, that boy big! <laughs> there it is. Uh, Apologize as, if you're deaf now. Hey, that, was, that was a hot one. As, uh, as a pilot and former Air Force officer, I can definitively say that this craft did not resemble any man-made object I had ever seen and was certainly not high-altitude flares because flares don't fly in formation. The incident was witnessed by hundreds, if not thousands, of Arizona people, and my office was besieged with phone calls from concerned Arizonians. The growing hysteria intensified when the story broke nationally, and I decided to lighten the mood of my state by calling a press conference where my chief of staff arrived in an alien costume. We talked about this. Great decision, Fife. We managed to lessen the sense of panic, but at the same time upset many of my constituents. And this is really what I wanted to get to. 
I would now like to set the record straight. I never meant to ridicule anyone. My office did make inquiries into the origin of the craft, but to this day, they remain unanswered. Eventually, the Air Force claimed responsibility, stating that they dropped flares. This is indicative of the attitude from official channels. We got explanations that fly in the face of facts. Explanations like weather balloons, swamp gas, and military flares. I was never happy with the Air Force's silly explanation. There might very well have been military flares in the sky that evening, but what I and hundreds of others saw had nothing to do with that. I now know I am not alone. There are many high-ranking military, aviation, and government officials who share my concerns. While on active duty, they have either witnessed a UFO incident or have conducted an official investigation into UFO cases relevant to aviation, safety, and national security. Talk to him, Fife! By speaking out with me, these people are putting their reputations on the line. They have fought in wars, guarded top-secret weapons arsenals, and protected our nation's skies. We want the government to stop putting out stories that perpetuate the myth that all UFOs can be explained away in down-to-earth conventional terms. Investigations need to be reopened, documents need to be unsealed, and the idea of an open dialogue can no longer be shunned. Incidents like this are simply not going away. About a year ago, Chicago's O'Hare International Airport experienced a UFO event that made national and international headlines. What I saw in the Arizona sky goes beyond conventional explanation. When it comes to events of this nature that are completely unresolved, we deserve more openness in government, especially our own. Listen, you e bastards. Tell them about it, Fife. I, I read that to say we just did a pretty good job of explaining a pretty specific way this could have been solved. And I find but it maybe I just find it very fascinating <laughs> that a government official who has more to lose than gain, who was a former pilot and air force officer put out this impassioned of a response to that official response. Yeah. And so thoroughly doubts that that is, or could have possibly been what they saw. A man saw an apparition and he's fucking pissed about it. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to let you know. <laughs> Hey, we fucking love y'all. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for listening to the show. Share it with your friends and tell your friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. We love y'all. We'll see you next week. See, you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you?